This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. one night that I was in Stellenbosch, standing on a step and preaching. It's about, it's about, I think, 35 years ago. And it wasn't like, I have a dream. It was like, what a nightmare. Because at that stage, I was newly saved, you know. I still smelled like the fires of hell, and I thought, I know students. And I don't know how to listen to my because I don't know how but when Tulit invited me and she said, I really feel that God wants you to come and share with us, with our ladies and with our church, God said to me, you're not getting out of this one now. This is God for you and this is God for me. So with all humility, I know this morning that this is a God-appointed time. God knows no bounds in time. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And even before the foundation of the earth, he knew that on this Sunday morning that I would be here sharing his word with you because there's something that he wants to say to you this morning. There's something that he wants to remind me of this morning. Isn't it incredible that when we minister the word, the word of God is quick, active, operative, energizing. It's like a two-edged sword, and it cuts both ways. So... When we, when we minister a word, we can never actually minister a word without walking the word and living the word and having been shaped by the word, formed by the word. God spoke the earth into existence. God's word is spirit. God's word is life. God's word is light in darkness. It expels the darkness. And yeah, so I'm excited to see what God has got for us this morning. Aren't you? Say to your neighbor, I may not look excited, but I'm very excited. I really need Holy Spirit to keep me on track this morning. Okay, cool. Father, we thank you this morning that the entrance of your word brings light and it brings understanding to the simple, Father. Father, we thank you this morning that your word penetrates darkness, divides between soul and spirit, bone and marrow, thoughts, intentions, and motives of hearts, Father God. Lord, I pray this morning for an open heaven for your word to be received with gladness for your word to be incredible fruit that will last, not, this, not just in this generation, but in generations to come. Our God, you're not the God of today. You are the God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The God of Abram, Isaac, and Jacob, Father God. You are an intergenerational God, the God that, that looks beyond the now, the here, what we see and what we feel. And Father, I pray that you would just Give us a glimpse of eternity this morning, my God, and that you would open our hearts wide to receive your word. Father, I thank you for these intelligent people sitting here this morning, Father God, but I pray this morning that you would give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, that they may know you and make you known in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, when, when I got born again, it was... 
just at the end of my fourth year at varsity. And when my friends in res heard that Edna van Heerden got born again, the, the, the feedback that we got was this. She really needed it. So I was that girl that really needed it. And up to this day, I really need God every moment of the day. Um, we've got a wonderful association with Stellenbosch. All four of our children have been through Stellenbosch, not without hiccups at times and running into walls at times and all kinds of things happening. But we've had a, had a wonderful association with this town and with this university. My husband, as I said, is a, is a pastor and an apostolic leader and um, yeah, he also really prays for our children. He's very often he's found in his study, and if I ask him what you're doing, you know, I'm just this one, you know, I'm just praying for this one. And then we've got a congregation to pray for, so he prays for them, and then we've got churches to pray for, so we pray for them. So but anyway, every every time before we bring one of our children to university, and I told the ladies this story, but I'm gonna tell it again. Every time before we bring our children to university, it's it's, a, it's the start of a new phase, you know. It's really, it's really. If you are a little bit older and you've already got children that you had to release into the big wide world, you will know what I'm talking about. But you know, for weeks before the time, I'm journaling and I'm praying and I'm asking God, you know, what is He saying and what is what does the future look like? And then just before they go off, my husband's got this brown leather leather couch in his in his office. And they normally know if they called in and it's couch time, there's no deep dinner that they also come past him after. So the, the speech that he gives them, and I'm going to let you in on this, is that he calls them in and he says to them, the first one that came was Mikal, our daughter. And he said to, our, said to her, Sissy, you're going to university too? Yeah, Dad. You know, at that stage, you can't wait to get out of the house. He said, you will meet very beautiful people when you get to university, people that are just so beautiful. And you will meet people that are very, very wealthy at university. And you will also meet people that are very, very, what, what is the word? Very, very clever and intelligent at university. He said, but you've got to learn not to look on the outside. You've got to discern what is on the inside. He says, because the same people that you look at for the first time and think they're very, very beautiful might have very, very not so beautiful hearts, ugly hearts. And you might look at certain people and think they're not beautiful on the outside. They may be even quite unattractive to you, but as you get to know them, and the beauty of the inner man, they will become stunning people that will really affect your life. And you see, those very, very wealthy people that flash it around, and it's wonderful to have means and substance, but if that becomes their identity and that becomes what they actually rely on, he says they do not place value and worth on other people. And you will meet people that haven't got great means and great substance, but they carry a wealth and they carry a treasure within them that you need to unlock. And then he said, and then, of course, there's you're going to university. Hallelujah. Five A's and so go on and, you know, do your thing. 
going to go well. We trust God that you will study and not just party. But you will, you will meet these incredibly intelligent people, and God has really gifted them with outstanding, the outstanding ability to think and to reason. But those same intelligent people will make incredibly stupid choices. And the end of that will be death and destruction. Whereas you might meet people that when you meet them, you think, you know, they're not the sharpest tool in the toolbox. But there's something about them, and they carry the wisdom and the insight of God. And they make choices and do things that has a weight in eternity. So look for the people that God sees as beautiful, as resourced, and as incredibly wise. And I really believe that. You know, that is just something that I, I wish when I went to university that my parents would have told me that. You know, They just said, have a good time. And um, I took them on their word. And so I did. But anyway, you know, when I, when, I, when I got born again, I had an incredible passion for God because I lived my life full out in the world. And when God saved me, he took me from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his light. And my life literally changed from darkness into light. And up to this day, I am passionate about freedom. The one thing that really is a driving force in my life is that I refuse to see people live at levels which is below that which God has got for them. When we have got the truth, my friend, and we are sent by God to bring the gospel of the kingdom to people, the gospel of the good news to people, not the gospel of the church. Come to my church, sing three songs, come to my home cell. The church is the only place that sets people free and then puts them into cells again. I'm so glad to hear that we've got life groups in this church. Amen. Groups where life is just flowing. So today I'm going to speak about living in wide open spaces. Living in wide open spaces. And the first scripture that I would like to read, I'm going to read two scriptures. The first one is out of 2 Corinthians chapter 6 from verse 11 in, to verse 13 in the message. And Paul writes to the Corinthians and he says this. He says, dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open spacious life. What is that? This wide open spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from inside, from within. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. That just grabs my heart. Live openly and expansively. Then Psalm 16 verse 6 says this, The boundaries have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely, I have a delightful inheritance. And then the next scripture that I would like to read, and that's actually in such contrast to the first two that I read, says this. But this is a people robbed and plundered. They are all of them snared in holes and hidden in houses of bondage. They have become a prey with no one to, de to deliver them. 
a spoil with no one to save and store them. These are a people plundered and robbed, shut up in holes as dark places. My friend, that is not God's heart for us. That is not God's heart for the world. And that's why he sent Jesus and that's why he sent us. But the problem is at times, even with Jesus and knowing him and being filled with his spirit, we as Christians find ourselves living in constricted, narrow places. And we get to a place where we actually think, oh, well, you know, hallelujah. Can't wait to get to heaven. Yeah. So, there are three things that moves you either into confined or into wide open spaces. The first one is true identity. I said to the ladies this weekend that God is relentless and intentional about us knowing who we really are. God says he made us in his image and he made us in his likeness. He made us to have unbroken, matchless fellowship with him. He made Adam and Eve to have that open access to him, walking with them, talking with them. And then they brought into the lie. And Satan said to, said to Eve, how about this tree? Did God say that you can eat of this one? And she said, God said we can eat of every single tree in the garden except this one. And the enemy said to her, if you eat of this tree, guess what? You will become like God. And she bought into the lie of not being enough, thinking that what she had wasn't enough. And she partook of that fruit and she gave it to Adam. And I said to the girls this weekend, in the process of self-empowerment, she sold humanity out to spiritual bankruptcy because she didn't know and she didn't appreciate and she didn't have the revelation of who she really was. She was already like God. She was already made in his image, made in his likeness. The word of God says that God knew us before the foundation of the earth and that he has prepared great and wonderful things, great and wonderful works for us to walk in. And so when you, when you look at yourself, you know, the one thing that the enemy keeps telling us is that one day when you get there, you will get that result. And we do not know that we are already everything that God has made us. Everything is within you, my friend. If you know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, and you have received the, the overflow of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and you have gone through the waters of baptism, and you have gotten into that relationship with God, God says, I have already prepared great and wonderful things for you to walk in. And I have given you, listen to this, everything that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of me. Okay, so God is relentless about us knowing who we really are. God says, you my son. The enemy says, this Christianity thing, uh-uh, I'm not going to make you. Not for you. Not going to work for you. My friend, we need somebody greater than ourselves to save us. And in the word of God, we see that identity formation happens when God, the Father, actually calls us by name. It says in John chapter 10, it says that we are the sheep and he is the shepherd. And it says he calls us by name. Isn't that amazing? He calls us by name. 
And as you sit here today, God says, I know you. I know everything about you. I know there's times when you feel disconnected from me. But I know you. I have formed you. I have knit you together in your mother's womb. You are marvelous. And you are mine. And the plans that I have for you are plans for good and not for evil. To give you a future and to give you tremendous hope. And God calls us into knowing whose we are, that we belong to him, so that we can know who we really are, so that we can conduct ourselves in the way that God wants us to walk on this earth. But the enemy comes with these lies, actually. God has got a blueprint plan for our lives. The word of God says in John chapter 10, verse 10, it says that Satan came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So the one thing about Satan is he's very predictable. If you wonder what he's going to do, let me tell you, it's going to be steal, it's going to be kill, and it's going to be destroy. And Jesus came that you might have life, the Zoe kind of life. And then the word of God says, not just the Zoe type kind of life, but a life that is more abundant. And that, that word abundance means that it's superior in quality, and it's superior in quality and quantity. Not just quality, but also in quantity. The word of God says that if we honor our parents, we will live a long life. Amen. If we honor God, our Father, we will live a long life. If we, if, we, if we walk in God's ways, if we heed to God's voice, God will lead us, God will guide us, and the outcome will be good, even though you might look at your life right now and think, oh my goodness, there's so many things in my life that just doesn't add up. But just hang in there because God says that he's come to set you free. And the word of God says, my friend, that he who the Son sets free will be free indeed, completely liberated from the curse of the law. Completely. What does completely mean? Everything. Everything. There's nothing that can keep us from that which God has got for us. But we need to know what God is saying. We need to take God at his word and we need to trust God and walk with him and trust him that he will finish the work that he started in us. So God calls us by name. He says, he says, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The heavens opened and, and God said about Jesus, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The day that you got born again, God says, you are my beloved daughter to me and I'm well pleased. Amen. That's what God says. But the enemy, because he comes to steal, kill and destroy, he tells us lies about ourselves. He tells us we're never going to make it. Or he tells us fake it till you make it. Amen. But the word, the, 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 the word in John chapter 10 where he says he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, that word steal is the word klepto, from which we get the word kleptomania. The enemy is a compulsive thief, and he's looking all the time where he can just steal, where he can just take, where he can just distract, where he can just destroy. He comes to kill. The word there, in the Greek word, it actually means he comes to slaughter. He comes to sacrifice, and he comes to blow smoke. That's what he does. And at times in my life, I felt like, you know, I literally felt like I was being sacrificed in areas. And the smoke is so thick, I can't see where I'm going. Because the enemy is really just doing what he does best in our lives. And ultimately, he comes to destroy. And that word destroy is the word that means without value and without to steal your value and your worth. And so, my friend, I'm not here to come and, and, and preach about what the enemy does. But the Word of God says in Corinthians, it says, Do not be ignorant of Satan's devices, lest he outwit you. 
That word outwit means this. It means lest he takes up a greater portion of your life. And I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of the enemy stealing, killing, and destroying. I want to live in that Zoe God kind of life. I want to live in that place where I know that it doesn't matter what happens on the outside, that God has said that he's bringing us as his church into a wide, open, spacious place. The time of being ashamed for what we stand for, the time of just, you know, sitting in a corner with your three Christian friends, praying in tongues so that the rest of the world will get saved is over. God wants us to be his his ambassadors. God wants us to know that he's living on the inside of us by his spirit. God wants us to know that the king of the universe is living on the inside of us, that he's sitting on the throne, that the earth is his footstool and that the enemy is under his feet and therefore he's also under our feet. And we need to take God at his word, my friend, and move into those wide open spacious places. We need to start saying about our own lives what God is saying about us. We need to start thinking God's thoughts. And you cannot think God's thoughts if you do not know God's word. We know what the world says. We know what Sky News says. We know what the latest trend is on Instagram. We know what the, what the, what the, what the, what the coming trends for 2020 is because we see it on Pinterest. But we do not hear what the Spirit of God is saying because the Word of God says that we will become so wise as we handle the Word of truth. We will become discerning. And as we read God's Word and as we meditate on God's Word, God's Word starts to build up line upon line and precept upon precept in our lives, here a little, there a little, until that word becomes a consuming fire. And as I said, your word is like a fire in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. I think I cannot. And then we don't get out there and we preach hell, fire, and brimstone, and you're going to hell. And we, we live the life that God has imparted on the inside of us as his ambassadors. And we reflect him, we represent him, and because we are reflecting him accurately and people can actually see what Jesus looks like, because we're not condemning them, we're not judging them, but we're actually loving them, we're extending mercy to them, we're extending kindness to them. And when they do things that hurt us, we respond in the opposite spirit. When they do things that should really blow us out and cause us to really just turn our backs on them, we love them and we forgive them because the greater one lives on the inside of us. And he enables us to walk there. The word of God says in Proverbs chapter 23 verse 7, it says this, that as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. And if you start asking the Holy Spirit to highlight your thoughts to you, my friends, I was shocked. I'm a woman of the word. I love the word of God. I love Jesus. But there's times that I think so in line with what the world is saying about me and not what God is saying about me. And anything that contradicts the truth of God's word is a lie. You can refute that lie. And the word of God says, cast away all imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the, what? The knowledge of God. And bring every thought into subjection to the knowledge of God. So, As a man thinks in his heart, as a woman thinks in his heart, so she is. And then it says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says this, Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of your heart flows forth the issues of life. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of your heart flows the issues of life. 
I don't know if you've ever been in a close relationship. If your husband and wife have shared a bit today with us, if you had a, you've got a, a long-standing relationship or any 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 kind of relationship that's been longer than two weeks, you know that at times when we when we unguarded, there's actually things that come out of our mouths that are so sensitive, and then our response is this: "Oops, didn't know where that came from." Guess what? Came from your heart. And in, in an unguarded moment, it actually slipped right out of your mouth, over your vocal cords. And words are spirit and words are life, and it's got a creative force. And it's now out there. So you better make sure that your heart is guarded because things, the enemy is after your heart. Because if you can get into your heart, if you can plant certain seeds of doubt and deception in your heart, and you start thinking along those lines, then you will produce according to that in your life. So we see that God has got an identity for us. He says, you are my beloved son. You're my beloved daughter. I'm well pleased in you. I've already prepared great things for you to walk in. And the enemy says to you, no, you're never going to make it. You know, your family never made it. And if you think you're going to make it, if you think your relationship is going to make it, you're in for a big surprise. And God says, his word has been spoken over us and he has revealed us. He's given us our identity. Now, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of your heart springs forth the issues of life. Now, I think issues comes from the heart. So the second one is dealing with issues. You know what? We all have issues. When something comes out and we and we're really talking to one another and saying things that we afterwards say, I really didn't mean it. You can say to your friend, so what's the issue? Because the, the issue is the real thing that has popped out of your heart and is now on the table, and you now have to face this issue. So we've got to deal with issues. Born again, spirit-filled, five diplomas in Bible school, doesn't matter. You have got issues that you've got to deal with. And the thing is, issues are good. And issues are bad. And so we've got to be so aware, as I said, about what we think and what finds entrance in our heart. We've got issues with ourselves. Have you got issues with yourself? You know, when, when God spoke to me, when God gave me that dream and I said to you, I saw myself standing on a platform and preaching to students and people in Stellenbosch. The reason why it wasn't I have a dream bit of a nightmare, was because I was suffering from severe intimidation. Intimidation. God had placed his word in my heart. God had placed love for him in my heart. But the moment that I actually had to get up and share it with other people, guess what happened? Somehow everything in me just shut down. And I believed the lie of the enemy that I could speak freely when I was out in the world. I was the, the big cheerleader, party girl, everybody followed me, no substance, and now I had something of substance to say, and the enemy intimidated me, he said to me, you will not amount to anything, who will ever listen to you, your husband is a wonderful preacher, and he is, you don't have to preach, there isn't room for both of you, his gift is too big, what you need to do is to pray for him, and you know, help him with his sermons, and just be there for him. And I thought, oh, yay, because that was my, my little um, plan B. 
I could graciously step aside and say, you've got to do it. And then God never let up. He kept giving me invitations. He kept opening doors. And it was by the grace of God, God had really given me a measure of faith towards him and not towards myself. I knew that I had to get over myself. My friend, there's some of you sitting here today and there's a, a tremendous gift on the inside of you. And God wants to put that on display, not to make you look important or to make you look nice or to make you look whatever. But God wants to show himself in and through us. God is, God is calling forth the woman at this, at this stage. And, you know, I've, I've never had a thing about men and women. You know, I'm, I'm so secure in, in who I am and in my identity. I know exactly what God says here. You know, we're equal in value and worth. Not in order. But we are equal in value and worth. And we need to find out what God wants us to do. And do that with all our hearts. So we can no longer play the card of this is a man's thing and this is a woman's thing. This is a God thing. And if God calls you, you better respond. And say, God, I can't do this thing. But I know that you can and that you will. Okay. So we've got to deal with the issue of ourselves. We've got to deal with the issue of not thinking too highly about ourselves. But also not thinking too lowly about ourselves. We've got to have a correct estimation of who we really are. We've got to deal with the issue of our image. Image. As Christians, we often say, no, I'm not into this image thing. But we all have an image. We've been made in the image and in the likeness of God. And God wants us to portray that image. And very often, there's such pressure around us that we portray a self-image out there in order to protect what's on the inside. Because you know what, my friend, if you look at people around you and you see you know, that person is just so full of pride. You can see it a mile off. Guess what? They can see your pride a mile off too. We are so blind. The Word of God says that all man's ways are clean in his own eyes. We don't see what we don't see. And that's why we need relationships and we need people around us. I'm passionate about intentional godly relationships in our formation of becoming the mature Christians that God wants us to be. Because people are put around us in order for us to become who God wants us to be and to have a true estimation of who we really are. We get so hung up on what people say and what people think about us. Now, now that one is, you know, that one is quite a mystery. Because, Cindy, how can I know what you think about me? There's no way. There's no way that I can know what you think about me. I mean, I'm not that important that you even have two seconds to think about me. You're not that important that people have to form opinions about you, whether they're positive or negative. And what does it even matter what they think about you? Do you know what God thinks about you? The Word of God says God is passionate about you. God is mindful of you. That means that His mind is full of you. That His thoughts and His intentions and His heart is towards you. That He loved you so very, 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 very much that He sent Jesus to die on the cross before the foundation of the earth, my friend. He knew that you would miss it, that I and that we, that we would be in great need of a Savior and a Redeemer. He knows that He made us in His image and in His likeness. And when He looked at Adam, He said, It's not good for man to be alone. It's not good. God hasn't called you and made you to be alone. And at times we, we, we feel so lonely and we feel so alone. But God has given us a relational void on the inside that can only be filled by the presence of God. 
And my friend, you can have so many people around you. You can go to all the clubs and all the pubs and all the social places. And I did because I had a huge void on the inside of me. And I didn't know that the only one that could fill that was the one that made me. And when I got born again, I was so excited about Jesus. And my friends, you know, they actually wrote me off because now it's known as secta. Where they clap their hands and they raise their hands. I had to start building relationships all over again. And I couldn't be bothered with what people think and don't think. Other issues, issues like money. If you've got too much or you've got too little, it becomes an issue. Relationships become an issue because God made us with a relational void and then we get into relationships and we've got great expectations. You know, these are not godly people. They're God's people and everything's going to be wonderful. And then what happens is inevitably offense comes. The Word of God says in Luke chapter 17, verse 1, it says when offense comes, not if offense comes. And the moment that we become offended with God's people and with other people, guess what happens? We withdraw our hearts and we get into a narrow place. We isolate ourselves. The Word of God says in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 1, it says, He who isolates himself rages against all wisdom and seeks his own desire. My friend, if you are in a place of isolation, even if you've just isolated your heart, even if you've just withdrawn your heart, know that the enemy is going to get you captive and he's going to keep you captive and you will never ever come into the fullness of that which God has got for you because God doesn't want you to be limited by anything and God wants you to deal with that which is in your heart. It says in Matthew chapter 5 verse 8, it says, Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see. They shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. That word pure is the word katharos, which means the same thing as catheter. It means something that drains out the impurities. And God's word drains out the impurities in our lives. We can't do this ourselves. We have got to get into what God has got for us. Issues, I can speak about it the whole day. My hair, my teeth, my weight, my family. Issues, God wants us to deal with it. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says this, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again, again, again by a yoke of slavery. And we become free when Jesus sets us free. He who the Son sets free will be free indeed, completely liberated. And then these issues of life start infiltrating our hearts, start infiltrating our thoughts. And we get into that narrow place where the enemy wants us because if he can have us in prisons, if he can have us shut up in dark places, if he can have our hearts isolated, he has actually made us ineffective in the kingdom of God, and stolen our purpose, and stolen the very glory that God wants to reveal in and through your life. We can't bring ourselves into an into open place. Jesus came for that. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, Galatians 3, 13 to 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. It is written that he took the curse on him, in order that we may inherit the blessing. He made you a son and a daughter. Isn't that wonderful? My 
happened if you are born again. The word of God says in Peter that you are born again of an incorruptible seed, and that seed will produce according to its kind. It cannot produce anything else. The DNA, the very essence of that seed, is that you're made in the image and the likeness of God, and he is going to reproduce himself in and through you. You are his son. You are his daughter. As your opkomotion. His grace and truth came through Jesus. Jesus came because he knew that we're going to miss it. The price has already been paid. There's nothing more that he can do. And all we need to do is to align ourselves with his grace and with his righteousness. Get rid of our own self-righteousness. Get rid of judgment and condemnation in our lives. And know that God has called us into wide open spaces and places with him. He's given us an inheritance, my friends. 1 Peter 1 verse 4. An inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled, and that they does not fade away, that is reserved in heaven for us. Our responsibility, my friend, is to make room on our schedule. God has given us his word. It says in Romans chapter 12, verse, verse 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what is the good and the acceptable will of God. Do not be conformed. And when pressure comes, I don't know about you, but we conform. We start conforming our thoughts, you know. We've got to be realistic. I mean, really. The economy in South Africa, the political situation in South Africa, what is happening in our nation, our church, end quote. says you've got an incorruptible inheritance. It's pure and it's undefiled and it's reserved for you. And it's not on that side of heaven, it's on this side of heaven. And my friend, we need to align our thoughts, we need to align our actions and grab hold of that of which God has already grabbed hold of for us so that we can move from the narrow places where pressure is bringing us the, the, the prophecies about the negative things in the nation. We need to start saying, God, what are you saying? I'm not going to look at what is happening in the nation. I'm going to ask you, what are you saying? And I'm going to align my thoughts. I'm going to align my faith with that which you're saying because the word of God says that you watch over your word to perform it and that you're not a man that you should lie and that you will bring us into the fullness of our inheritance. My friend, and then yesterday when we ended off the, the, the ladies' retreat, it was just so precious. We ended off with communion. And the word of God says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul speaks to the people and he says to them, he says, that which I have received, I deliver to you. That on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. He took the cup and he drank it. And he said, see, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Drink this cup in remembrance of my blood that it was shed for you. My friend, the price has been paid. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be subtracted to it. And we cannot limit communion to our once a month Sunday where we come together to break bread and we set a nice table. All you need is the bread and the wine, the grape juice. Because the moment that you break that bread, you remind the enemy that the body of Jesus has been broken so that you can walk in healing, so that you can walk in wholeness, so that you can walk in your open places and not be confined to dark spaces. The moment that you drink that, that, that blood, it's a demonstration 
of what God has planned on the cross that he has won. And the enemy hates it when we break bread and therefore he has reduced it to a religious ritual. It's not when we got the revelation of what breaking of bread means. It says in the word of God, it says, as often as you do it, do this in remembrance of me. That word remembrance is the, the Greek word zakar, which means marked for ownership. God has marked you for ownership. And when we do this in remembrance of him, we're saying, God, I'm your son, I'm your daughter. Things look dark around me. Things look as if they're falling apart. But you came so that we may have life. Life, 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 and life in abundance. So that we don't have to live second degree, substandard lives and suffer on this side of eternity so that, man, one day I'm going to have a crown in heaven. Hallelujah. We're going to have a crown in heaven, but let's just live life on this side in the victory of the one that's victorious, that's on the inside of us. In him we live and move and have our being. As Christians, guys and girls, we need to have the most fun. We've got the one on the inside of us that's the author, the creator of the universe of creativity, of life. We need to be the ones that, that attract people to this kingdom of light because the light shines out of us, not by what we're saying or the 10 verses we quote. But we better know the 10 verses that, we, that we're living before we try to quote the 10 verses. I think my time is just about up. So listen to this. Psalm 23 verse 5. school. Just the slow. It says this. It says, ye, speaking about Jesus, God, ye sets a table for me in the presence of my enemies. When we come to the Lord's table, he sets a table, a feasting table for us in the presence of our enemies. And what does that mean? That means that the enemy has got to stand and look how are you having a fun time with Jesus? The enemy has got to watch when you break that bread and says, this bread has been broken for me. This body has been broken for me. Healing is mine. It's my inheritance. It's my portion. Satan, you've got no right. It's mine. I take it. And God watches over his word to perform it. The enemy is not allowed to come and sit at your table. Shame is not allowed to come close to you and sit at your table. Guilt is not allowed to come close to you and sit at your table. Condemnation. You, condemnation means this. It means not fit for use. God says, you are my vessel of honor. It doesn't matter what you've done. This is what I want of you. And when we break that bread and we drink that wine, we show the Lord's death till he comes and we celebrate the fullness of who he is in us and what he's got for us. And so today, my friend, it's that time for us to move into the wide open and spacious places. Out of the place of constraint, out of, out of the place of lack, out of the place of doubt, and into that which he's got for us. Amen. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.